It is my pleasure to present the highlights from our November issue of Jackie in Practice with this theme devoted to smoke in the lungs. The theme topic of smoke in the lungs with its comprehensive reviews convincingly reminds us of the potential devastating effects of smoke from multiple sources on the lung. We are reminded of the importance of the role of allergists to be vigilant in identifying smoke exposures in their patients and recommending strongly the reduction or cessation. Our theme cover depicts the explosiveness of smoke exposure with its dramatic fumes to the lung, which emanate from various sources, including combustible and electronic cigarettes, vaping, inhaled marijuana, and in indoor and outdoor air pollutants. The reviews start with a clinical management review with CME credit by Dr. Thompson et al. on the multitude of harmful effects of cigarette smoking on the development and costs of asthma. Given the widened use of inhaled marijuana due to cannabis legalization in a majority of U.S. states for medical reasons and recreational use, Drs. Pelosi et al. in their clinical commentary closely examined the impact of vaping electronic cigarettes on adolescents and young adults on their respiratory health, given that the young are particularly early adopters of new methods of inhalation. In a clinical commentary review with CME, Drs. Key et al. detailed the lung effects of household air pollution which include biomass fuel smoke, secondhand smoke, and oxides of nitrogen comprehensively. They emphasize that improving our understanding of indoor air quality factors and taking actions that improve polluted indoor air may lead to enhanced environmental health policies, which could improve health outcomes. And in emerging controversies and allergy article presented by Drs. Jovac Kenny et al. on the pros and cons of electronic cigarettes reviewed the extensive literature on electronic cigarettes and provide the reader with information to better address their use by their patients. They conclude that the negative effects of electronic cigarette use outweigh any potential benefit, since evidence does not support the use of electronic cigarettes as an effective strategy for supporting cessation of tra traditional combustible tobacco cigarette smoking. In the final clinical management reviews, Dr. Lemaire et al. summarized the epidemiology, pathophysiology, diagnostic approach, and management of irritant-induced asthma triggered by fumes, gases, aerosol, or dust composed of chlorine, nitrogen oxide, sulfur dioxide, ammonia, acetic acid, solvents, and cleaning materials. To contextualize the review articles and the excellent theme editorials provided by our theme issue coordinators and editorial board members, Drs. Peter Barnes and Thomas Casale, who masterfully organized and directed this noteworthy issue. Now let us examine the 15 original article summaries we published in our November 2022 issue. Anaphylaxis, intravenous immunoglobulin tapering and withdrawal in systemic capillary leak syndrome, Clarkson disease, by Moya 
at all. What is already known about this topic? Extended intravenous immunoglobulin, IVIG treatment, is associated with fewer recurrences and improved survival of monoclonal gammopathy associated systemic capillary leak syndrome. However, the optimal treatment dosage and duration remain unknown. What does this article add to our knowledge? An IVIG withdrawal is associated with increased mortality and higher rate of recurrence in monoclonal gammopathy associated systemic capillary leak syndrome patients. How does this study impact current management? Treatment with IVIG should not be stopped in patients with systemic capillary leak syndrome, but could be cautiously tapered in very selected stable patients. Next. Next is an article in angioedema entitled Prospective Study on the Efficacy and Impact of Cascade Screening and Evaluation of Hereditary Angioedema by Wang et al. What is already known about this topic? Family screening for at-risk relatives of hereditary angioedema patients is advised, but recommendations vary across different countries and its efficacy remains unknown. What does this article add to our knowledge? Cascade family screening is an effective method for identifying family members with a hereditary angioedema. The authors demonstrate improved clinical and psychological outcomes, as well as reduced disease-related costs. How does this study impact current management guidelines? All families should undergo cascade family screening. A higher cutoff level for C4 is useful for screening before C1 inhibitor antigen or function testing. We published five original articles on asthma. The first is entitled Adherence and Persistence to Single Inhaled versus Multiple Inhaler Triple Therapy for Asthma Management by Bussey et al. What is already known about this topic? Multiple inhaler triple therapy use among patients with asthma has been associated with lower adherence and persistence rates. However, real-world data on adherence among patients with asthma initiating once daily single inhaler inhaler zoticazone furate umexlin dilantarol is not available. What does this article add to our knowledge? Initiation of triple therapy compared with initiation of multiple inhaler triple therapy was associated with significantly higher adherence and persistence. However, triple therapy adherence persistent rates, even with a single inhaler reported here, are still relatively low and decreased over 12 months. How does this study impact current management guidelines? The study shows that single inhaler triple therapy could improve patient adherence and persistence, highlighting an unmet need for improved patient education on the benefit, benefits of treatment and active monitoring of triple therapy adherence by healthcare professionals. The next article in asthma is entitled Dupilumab is effective in patients with moderate to severe uncontrolled gene-defined type 2 asthma, irrespective of an allergic 
as with phenotype by Raby et al. What is known about this topic? Dupelamide is effect efficacious in patients with uncontrolled moderate to severe asthma. And efficacy is greater in patients with baseline elevations in blood eosinophils and fractional exhaled nitrogen oxide, FENO. The Global Initiative for Asthma report and recommends treatment with biologics such as dupilumab for patients with uncontrolled type 2 inflammation, such as eosinophils greater or equal to 150 cells per milliliter phenol greater or equal to 20 parts per billion, or allergic asthma, whose asthma cannot be controlled by high-dose inhaled corticosteroids. What does this article add to our knowledge? This post hoc analysis shows that dupilumab significantly reduces severe asthma exacerbation rates and improves lung function in patients with uncontrolled moderate to severe asthma with baseline blood eosinophil counts greater or equal to 150 cells per milliliter, milliliter and or phenol greater than 20 parts per billion, irrespective of whether they show evidence of an allergic asthma endotype. How does this study impact management? These data suggest that blood eosinophils and phenol levels are relevant predictors of the response to dupilumab treatment whereas pretreatment allergy tests may be of limited predictive value. Our next original article is entitled Corticosteroid Responsiveness Following Mepolizumab in Severe Eosinophil Asthma, a randomized placebo-controlled crossover trial by Yang et al. What is already known about this topic? Oral corticosteroids reduce inflammation and improve symptoms in biologic naive patients with severe eosinophil asthma. But oral corticosteroid response in those receiving anti-IL-5 treatment is less clear. What does this article add to our knowledge? In patients with severe eosinophil asthma receiving treatment with mepolizumab, oral corticosteroids further reduce inflammation but have limited clinical benefits. Heterogeneity in oral corticosteroid response while on mepolizumab is likely driven by existing subphenotypes of eosinophilic asthma. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Residual corticosteroid responsive disease persists in patients with severe eosinophilic asthma receiving anti-IL-5 treatment with mepolizumab. However, Alternative corticosteroid sparing therapy should be considered instead of additional oral corticosteroids because the clinical benefits are limited. Next article is entitled Infant Exposure to Acid Suppressant Medication Increases Risk of Recurrent Wheeze and Asthma in Childhood by Robinson et al. What is already known about this topic? Acid suppressant medications are commonly prescribed during infancy, but little is known about the relationship between acid suppressant medication exposure and risk of childhood asthma and atopy. What does this article add to our knowledge? 
in a cohort of children with a history of severe bronchiolitis, acid suppressant medication exposure during infancy increased the risk of recurrent wheeze and asthma. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Clinicians should carefully consider the risks and benefits of acid suppressant medications during infancy. The next asthma article, our last original asthma article, is entitled Assessment of Real World Escalation to Biologics in U.S. Patients with Asthma by Bender et al. What is already known about this topic? Biologics are recommended as the final step for the treatment of severe asthma in patients whose asthma remains uncontrolled after high-dose maintenance medication. Adherence to maintenance medication should be considered before treatment escalation. What does this article add to our knowledge? Contrary to guideline recommendation of the patients who were escalated to asthma biologic therapy in this study, the majority of patients had suboptimal adherence to their maintenance medications and or demonstrated mild global initiative for asthma severity. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Healthcare professionals may be prescribing biologics without full understanding of the patient's prior level of medication adherence or asthma severity. Patient engagement with and adherence to the maintenance medication should be assessed before escalating therapy. We published four original articles on drug allergy. The first is entitled Distinct Characteristics and Chronology of Amoxicillin-Associated Reactions in Pediatric Acute Care Settings by Bonari et al. What is already known about this topic? Allergy referral population studies report that patients with amoxicillin-associated reactions commonly present with maculopapular exanthins, urticaria, or less frequently serum sickness-like reactions, with over 90% tolerating rechallenges regardless of phenotype. What does this article add to our knowledge? This paper comprehensively characterizes the chronology, seasonality, and worrisomeness of systemic symptoms accompanying amoxicillin-associated reactions at initial presentation, often not seen by allergists. In order to increase diagnostic acumen and confidence in subsequent allergy evaluation and delabeling, how does the study impact current management guidelines? Amoxicillin-associated reactions presenting to acute care settings different in phenotypic composition from allergy referral patients and among clinical phenotypes, providing a foundation for future studies on risk stratification and rechallenge tolerance rates. The next article is entitled Predictors of Acute Care Reutilization in Pediatric Patients with Amoxicillin-Associated Reactions by Shia et al. What is already known about this topic? As described in the companion paper that we just summarized, 10% of children with amoxicillin-associated reactions presenting to emergency, 
emergency department or urgent care settings had multiple encounters reflecting high rates of emergency department or urgent care reutilization. What does this article add to our knowledge? On initial presentation, male sex, urticaria, and angioedema are associated with emergency room department or urgent care reutilization. Fever and systemic symptoms emerge at subsequent encounters. However, these patients are not managed differently at the first encounter compared with non-reutilizers. How does the study impact current management guidelines? Providing appropriate outpatient follow-up and anticipatory guidance for the potential development and management of systemic symptoms may be key in reducing emergency room department or urgent care reutilization among children with amoxicillin-associated reactions and facilitating future drug allergy testing and delabeling. Our next original drug allergy article is entitled Reporting of Allergic Reactions During Pfizer Binotech BNTT162B2 Vaccination in Israel by Anis et al. What is already known about this topic? mRNA-based vaccines against SARS-CoV-2 were first introduced in December 2020. Cases of allergic reactions at the onset of the vaccination campaign raise safety concerns among the general population. What does this article add to our knowledge? This communication is based on a national registry and provides a unique account of allergic events during vaccination. It delineates fluctuations in the reporting patterns as well as characteristics and reliability of reported allergic reactions. How did the study impact current management guidelines? The study highlights challenges in monitoring allergic reactions during anti-size COVID-2 vaccination. It may support the design of improved evaluation algorithms in future campaigns. The final drug allergy article is entitled Delayed Type Heparin Allergy, Intravenous Tolerance Despite Inflammatory Skin Reaction After Subcutaneous Injection by Troutman et al. What is already known about this topic? The most common manifestation of heparin allergy is delayed type hypersensitivity, causing an inflammatory skin reaction at the site of subcutaneous injection. What does this article add to our knowledge? Challenge testing proves that intravenous heparin infusion is tolerated despite delayed type hypersensitivity after subcutaneous injection. The vast majority of these patients also tolerate subcutaneously injected fondaparinex, which is a factor 10A inhibitor. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Patients with a confirmed diagnosis of heparin-delayed type hypersensitivity should be issued an allergy document specifically stating that heparin can be safely administered intravenously. We have one article on food allergy entitled, The Natural Costs of Adult Onset Food Protein-Induced Enterocolitis, FPIES Syndrome, by Crespo et al. 
what is already known about this topic. Adult onset food protein induced enterocolitis syndrome, FPIES, is a rare disease that has been increasingly recognized in recent years. It differs from pediatric FPIES in terms of dietary triggers and the spectrum of symptoms. What does this article add to our knowledge? This study explores the natural history of adult onset FPIES. In this Spanish series, 40% of patients who underwent an oral food challenge achieved tolerance. How does this study impact current management guidelines? This study demonstrates that FPIES in adults can be overcome and that some patients achieve tolerance. We also had one article on health disparities. It was entitled Burden of Allergic Disease in Racial and Ethnic Structurally Oppressed Communities Within Canada and the United States, a scoping review by Jaffrey et al. What is already known about this topic? The social determinants of health are potential mediating variables in the development and or progression of many chronic illnesses, including allergic diseases, and thus may impact access to health care. What does this article add to our knowledge? Structurally oppressed groups may face an increased burden of allergic and atopic disease, but this may be magnified by issues regarding oppression, access, and social environment that warrant further investigation. How does this study impact current management guidelines? As a medical community, we must be aware of these issues and commit to developing strategies in partnership with the affected communities in order to move forward to comprehensively tackle the burden of allergic disease. We published one article on immunodeficiency entitled Early Diagnosis of Primary Immunodeficiency Disease Using Clinical Data and Machine Learning by Mayam Purath et al. What is already known about this topic? Significant delays in diagnosing primary immunodeficiency diseases contribute to high morbidity and mortality. Models that use electronic health record data to diagnose primary immunodeficiency diseases currently use known risk factors as predictors. What does this article add to our knowledge? We highlight how features indicative of prior treatment of symptoms can be used to develop a prediction model for early diagnosis of primary immunodeficiency diseases. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Early diagnosis of primary immunodeficiency diseases using the study's approach could lead to initiation of treatment and improved outcomes in immunodeficient patients. Our last original article is entitled Academic Productivity of Young People with Allergic Rhinitis, a Mask Air Study by, by ERA et al. What is already known about this topic? Children with poorly controlled rhinitis may have diminished academic performance, although studies relying on real-world real data and assessing factors modifying the impact of rhinitis on academic productivity are lacking. What does this article add to our knowledge? Results of this mobile health-based study suggest that one, 
Worse rhinitis control is associated with worse academic productivity, and that too, immunotherapy, but not medication use is associated with improved academic productivity. Finally, how does this study impact current management guidelines? This study points to the importance of achieving a good rhinitis control among students, as well as to the need of better information given to patients of effective available rhinitis treatments. We hope that the review and original articles in this issue can help our readers optimally manage their patients who are affected by various forms of smoke and related exposures and other disorders. In addition, with added understanding and advocacy gleaned from this theme issue, we hope our readers can help usher in a future when the damaging sources of smoke on the lung are minimized. And I thank you very much for listening.